It's game three, South Carolina. Time to beat a bunch of cocks. So here's what's up. Vance Levy of Bulldog Illustrated explodes with his controversial hot takes. Bert Hodges of Dogbone.net. He has stats, meaningful stats, mind-blowing stats. Buffalo is back. He's the Colonel Bruce Hampton of college football. He coined the phrase three for the G, and he's going to pontificate on all things dog-related. And finally, our gambling guru is back, and his street name is Dogger. And for legal reasons, we have to keep his identity a secret. And it won't be a shock when we beat those cocks. Smoke them if you got them. We about to crack a tall boy and light it up. It's time for the Mad Dog Show. Coming to you live from the Park Group studio in the heart of the Bulldog Nation. The Mad Dog Show is proudly sponsored by The Sanford Company, Bulldog Illustrated, Dogbone.net, Classic City Collective, The Park Group Marketing and Media, Ventures Barbecue, Sellers Construction, Bib Distributing, Pelicano Construction, Go Clean Co., Jay Lee Attorney at Law, Ortho Georgia, Progressive Communications, Cherokee Brick, Macon Monogram, Jags Pizzeria, ASP, Butler Auto Group, Willingham Sash and Door, Cranford Chiropractic, and Walpole Oil Company. Now, here he is, your host, the Mad Dog. So this past weekend was so dreamy, so perfect. Our Bulldogs bashed Ball State 45-3. And I thought we covered, but somebody said we pushed. At any rate, we increased our winning streak to 19. And we increased our home winning streak to 20 which at the time was the second best home winning streak in the country until uh, Texas took down the tide to the delight of the entire human race. And now we own the longest winning streak on planet Earth. And as we all saw, the tide's in trouble. This ain't the typical tide team that little tricky Nikki trots out each year. No, 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 no. This team is definitely not elite. Their quarterback is not elite. Their wide receivers are not elite. Their O-line is not elite. And definitely not their defense. And by the way, when the best player on your defense is named Kool-Aid, your defense might be a joke. And Kool-Aid's not a nickname. It's on his birth certificate. So, I mean, when your family's sitting around and they're kicking around potential names for the baby. I mean, is Powerade in the mix? Is Gatorade in the mix? Is somebody say, how about Sweet Tea? Sweet Tea McKinstry just kind of rolls off the tongue. That would have been my choice. But clearly his family were forward-thinking visionaries, you know, looking at the future for the NIL endorsement opportunities. Or maybe not. Anyway, now, maybe you... Didn't expect Texas to win, but I did. I predicted it right here on the show. I said, and I quote, Texas is going to A.D. Mitchell, Bama to death. And they did. And speaking of funny names, do you know what A.D. stands for? It stands for Alabama's daddy. And that's what he is. Seriously. Bama is teetering on the brink. They're the Molly Hatchet of college football right now because they're flirting with disaster. Why? I'll tell you why. This 
could snowball into a 7-5 and five season. Don't believe me? All right, we'll check this out. Look at their possible losses that are still out there. Tennessee, LSU, Ole Miss, and don't forget the Iron Bowl with Auburn where anything can happen. So, let's indulge this little football fantasy, shall we? Because it's magically delicious. Bama goes 7-5. and 7-5. and five. They begrudgingly accept a bid, an invite, to the Birmingham Bowl to play another nobody, which, by the way, is on December 23rd, so they'll be a home in time for the Christmas Eve service, which, P.S., would be a great business decision for Jermaine Burton, the Birmingham Bowl. You know your bowl sucks when it's named after a city because there's not a corporation out there that will pay you money to sponsor it. Meanwhile, the entire state of Alabama will be doomsday prepping for the tribulation, followed by the rapture, where none of them will make the cut, and Saban's hot seat will be hotter than molten lava. Well, what about all the talking head brainiacs over at ESPN? Remember them? The one who picked Bama to win a natty. Desmond Howard, Pat McAfee, Curb Street. What are they going to be doing? Will they be owning up to their terrible prediction? Of course not. What are they going to be doing? They're going to be speculating like everybody else when it's time for Nick to call it quits. And just when it can't get any worse for Bama, a video surfaces and goes viral, and you know the one I'm talking about. We thought about airing this thing for like a split second, but it's too offensive It's too horrific. There's no way we could air this thing. First of all, it shows the horrible sportsmanship or the lack thereof of Bama fans. Nothing shocking there, right? The entire college football world knows what sore losers they are, the sorest losers. And the worst part is what the Bama fans are screaming. Profanity-laced, racist, homophobic slurs. And I didn't make that up. And if you don't believe me, look it up. It's not going to be hard. Look it up. Google it. Okay, here's a cleaned up version of what they said. F-bomb, homophobic slur, go back to the projects where you belong. I mean, wow. Just wow. Hey, parents out there, considering a college for your senior? Well, at Alabama, we teach your child how to be poor sports. Sore losers who use profanity-laced, racist, homophobic slurs. So... In conclusion, to summarize, Bama just lost to Texas in Saban's worst home loss ever. Bama's dynasty is dead. Saban is headed to retirement sooner than later, and your fans are racist homophobes whose language is nastier than a porta potty at at Burning Man. Or maybe nastier than a porta potty at Coachella. I don't, whatever. It's nasty as a porta potty. And it's more embarrassing than Stormy Daniels nicknaming you tiny. All those statements that I just made are all true. You cannot refute them. So don't even try. So let that sink in, you bunch of fat freaking elephants. Because now nobody even chants, we want Bama anymore. Can you believe that? Right? Right, Texas? The Longhorn fans were chanting, we want Georgia last Saturday night. Now, Texas, tap the brakes, would you? Jeez, one big win and you guys have delusions of grandeur. Texas, too soon. You're not in the SEC. 
yet, but you are in the most accurate poll in college football. And that, of course, is my poll, the Mad Dog Dirty Dozen. And you might want to write this down. So here we go. At number 12, Lane Kiffin is lurking. He's playing a little better defense. Watch out, SEC West. He is a dark horse alert. Next up is number 11, and I have Coach Prime and the Colorado Buffaloes. Don't like it? I don't care. They pass the eye test with flying colors, and they are the fly in the ointment this year. Learn to love it. At number 10, as much as I hate it, I have Alabama. No further comment necessary. Nine, the Tennessee Volunteers, because why not? Speaking of the Vols, I have them on upset alert this weekend. They play at Florida. Sound crazy? Well, I am. Number eight, Ohio State. Don't have a quarterback. Haven't played anyone. Won't play anyone until November, just like every other year. And I will continue to refer to them as either Ohio State brown eyes or Ohio State chin nuts, depending on my mood. And it fluctuates wildly. And P.S., there is no the in front of Ohio State. Now, speaking of not playing anyone until November, at number seven, I have Michigan, led by their coach, Jim Harbaugh. He cheats. He lies. He lies about cheating. But at least he's consistent. Coming in at number six, USC. Currently in the Pac-12, soon to be the two Pac. Do I believe they will run the table? No. Do they play defense? Also no. Do I think Lincoln Riley is cool? Only if you think member jacket members only jacket are cool. Back in the day, if you wore a members only jacket, we would refer to you as a DB, and I'm not talking about defensive back. Do I think Caleb Williams will repeat as a Heisman winner? What has two letters and rhymes with no? At number five, Notre Dame. They have a tough schedule this year for once-ish. This is actually the kind of year where if they went out, the luck of the Irish could play in their favor. It could kick in and they could get in. Who has two thumbs up and would relish seeing the Irish get embarrassed in the CFP? This guy. Now, the final four. My dark horse team from the preseason is Penn State. All they got to do is beat an average Ohio State and an overrated Michigan. So why not? Beating the breaks of James Franklin and Penn State start the year on January 1 would be the perfect start. Almost as perfect as beating Ohio State last year as the clock struck midnight, but you get the picture. Number three, FSU. They absolutely humbled Brian Kelly, and God knows he needs to be humbled. And I've told you about how smug and condescending and arrogant he is. Not that you needed me to tell you that, and I could go on and on about that, but that's another podcast for another day. Number two, Texas. You got to give it to them. Sark already has them looking like an SEC team. A year early. The quarterback was great. They have receivers all over the place, led by <laughs> Alabama's daddy, Mitchell. And who's at number one? Us. And since best never rest, it's time to eat off the floor. <laughs> Welcome back, Vance. How you doing? Rah, rah. Finally, rah, a rah. Finally better, a real game. Finally a real game. Looks like better never rest over at your crib. That's right. That's right. Kirby, Kirby's looking like a madman on the cover. Love it. 
Yep. Uh, I've, yeah. I've already delved into it, read your letter, which is awesome as always. And um, I like to flip through the whole thing and then go back and just start picking it apart. Of course, I went back to JD's top 12 to see how much, you know, I overlap with him because both of those are different from your standard AP poll. But uh, how are you feeling about this weekend, man? I mean, I'm excited to see what we've got. I mean, obviously, the last two weeks, the uh, competition has not been that great. Uh, we've seen our offense struggle a little in the first quarters, which is at least giving people something to bitch about, right? <laughs> yeah, and they always find it. They always find it. Well, here, here's my concern, and, and me and you get to tackle this tonight since Dr. Feelgood's in spine surgery, is what are you hearing about Edwards and what are you hearing about Ladd? Okay, Kirby on Monday said Edwards could have played the last two weeks. They held him out, uh, so that makes me feel good about that one. Uh, I think Ladd, I did hear, and I mean, this is, yeah, not – you know, I, I have no concrete on this, but I do hear he's 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 improving. Okay. So, uh, and you know, th these last two weeks have afforded us the luxury to let some guys get healthy. Why in the world would you not take advantage of that? I'm with you. I mean, if they're probable, don't play them in these last two games. Let them get all the way healthy. I mean, I'm. <laughs> I'm so cautious. I'm like, don't play them till you have to. I mean, if we can beat South Carolina with the running backs we got and the receivers we got, I give them another week. I don't care. Yeah, I, I think I think we're ready. I think they're ready to get them those reps, though. You know that because that Kirby's big on you know just because they're back. It you know it's a different. They're running at a different rate when they're out there in a game. So. Uh, if they can go, uh, it's time to get them on the field for sure. Uh, but I will say Kirby did touch on, you know, just how much Kendall has come on. Kendall Milton has come on as a blocker since his early days. I'm pretty sure he said Kendall is the best at it at this point. Uh, mm -hmm. So that, that was a, you know, Kirby, you know, he doesn't throw out accolades that much. So to me, that, that was meaningful. Yeah. And of course, you know, and of course, you know, nobody's denied Milton's had a very hard time staying healthy. So, you know, as much as you root on him, you, you're always kind of worried about the next time he's going to get banged up. I mean, unfortunately, that happens to some of these guys. Uh, but to hear Kirby single him out as being one of the better blockers back there and his dedication to the program kind of, you know, sometimes you, hear people out there in cyber world that, you know, question somebody's abilities if they are one of those that have the injury bugs. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't question his abilities at all. I mean, we've seen them. It, it's just, you know, you, there's a certain level of concern that you're just always worried that, that something's going to happen. He, he seems like his, his hamstrings are, are prone to get pulled and that just may be something, an ongoing issue he's got to deal with. Yeah. I mean, you got to hope he's going to have a good, you know, he, a healthy year would be awesome for him, for sure. No doubt. No doubt. Yeah. So, I mean, do you have any concerns about this game? 
Well, I mean, I joked with you over the summer that we we'll, we'll know who the quarterback is if we go into the locker room at halftime down twenty to seven or fourteen to three. So, well, and 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 I'm hoping that that would be more likely to occur later in the season. You also uh, joked with me about one other thing. Do you remember uh, what that was? Yes, the, the Bulldogs will in fact lose again. I, I can I can pull the. Uh, media kid out if you want me to look back at the thousands you know hundreds of or thousands of losses they've they've had over a hundred years of playing football yeah it, it was it was the wicked way you said it to me we were talking about something and you looked at me you go well let me just remind you you know that we will lose a game again one day right that's gonna happen Lord help us when it does, because it will, Uh, you know, but getting back to the quarterback, I'll have to say uh, watching a good bit of the second game, uh, the first I was a little busier. Uh, I was impressed with the way Carson Beck went through his progressions, didn't wasn't sloppy with the football when something wasn't there. He either checked down to a back or something like that, or he got rid of the football. Uh, you know, that's exactly why Kirby basically said he got the nod because he's got, you know, the most reps within that system. And I hate to tell people uh, the Mike Bobo offense is pretty darn similar to Todd Munkins, for all the people that want to be worrying about Coach Bobo, you and I talked about it. I mean, we win by 41 points and 500 yards of offense, and the world was about to explode uh, Labor Day weekend. Yeah, I'm I'm not in the worried about Bobo camp. and one thing going back to Beck that I really liked is is that he showed his mobility when he needed to. You know, when it's not there, he's been able to run. You know, he had a nifty little touchdown. He's had some, you know, runs for 9, 10, 11 yards. And, and I'd kind of been led to believe that there was just no mobility there when clearly there is. So, um, and, and you need that. You know that. I mean, I think he – didn't he play baseball too? I mean, I think he's a pretty rounded athlete. Uh, and – you, and just like we will lose again, uh, uh, quarterbacks do throw interceptions, and you just got to hope that when his first one comes, it's not the pick six variety because that's exactly what a team like South Carolina, who I firmly believe unless somehow we can rock Rattler's bell early, you know, I I think he'll come out and – you know, we'll have a good start and move the football. So conversely, on the other side of the football, you can't, let's say they roll down and kick a field goal, score a touchdown. You can't follow that up with a, uh, a silly interception or, or not, you know, when you know the rush is coming on, you try to do too much, fumble, anything like that. It, it, that's what you can't have. And, and you know, as we know, Kirby won't tolerate it too long. But, you know, you, you string together three picks or something in that one game and uh, a 20-something underdog North uh, South Carolina can come into uh, 
Athens and shock the world. Uh, just ask Jake Fromm and the last time we lost in Sanford Stadium. Uh, Where they were 20, there were 20.5 points underdogs. Yep, yep. And those picks were, I mean, was that Fromm's only three-pick game his whole time at Georgia? I, I think, think so, was. man. Yeah. So, I mean, it just shows you that untimely pits, picks can hurt you. So, you know, as a backer of Georgia, you just got to hope that uh, Carson's ready for the next level of competition that's cranking up on Saturday. Yeah, and I think a lot of people forget – Going to Beck, I'm going to say two things that don't go together. So Beck, as you know, was originally committed to Alabama and then decommitted. That should give people confidence. But then to your point about if you go into halftime down whatever, 21-7, and you need to make a change, you know, Kirby hasn't named a second-string quarterback. In that scenario, who do you think it would be? Well... (laughs) (laughs) I don't think anybody can say that because I've heard good things about Brock. I've heard good things about Gunner. That would be an interesting one for sure. You may not be able to say as an an official member of the media. I, I, however, am not, although I do get excluded from certain events when I get tagged as one. Good Um, for you. (laughs) The big time, baby. That's right. Not really. Um, I'm going to go with Gunner. I'm going to go with Gunner in that situation. uh, You know, Bobo recruited him heavy, the South Carolina. Not that that's going to sway him, but I just think if you look at live arm, mobility, natural instincts, and just pure leadership and how it looks on the field, body language-wise, he just looks like the guy. Yeah. I mean, uh, what did someone say to me when they'd gotten some intel from one of the first uh, scrimmages? Uh, he, he basically said, here, I can even pull it up. Uh, you know, and it was pretty good to me. I think he has the best in natural instincts. So, and I think that's kind of what you're saying. But, you know, the good news is, is I think we've got, a quarterback room that is ready for whatever may come their way. And if you were watching the Jets game the other night, it could come in the fourth play of the game. Right. Or or back to from what was that? The second play of the first game for old Jacob Eason. And I mean, that was, that was a great, like that wasn't even, didn't even look like a big play on the sidelines. Right. So, so, well, I haven't gotten to talk to you since the game of the week last week. Get your thoughts on Texas versus Alabama. I mean, don't you have to tip your hat to Texas? From a scheme and lining up to play football, they won. Uh, They were the better team, and they won the game. Uh, It was very impressive. the penalties that Alabama has shown, you know, going back to – and they've had some years where they've had penalties and they overcame them. But to me, that was the most shocking was to be that careless 
in your own home stadium. And there were a lot of penalties that didn't get called. If you went back and watched that game, that I mean, it could, they had, I think, 10 or 11. They could have had 20. Right, right. So, to me, that was the most alarming. Now, do I think Alabama is going to be just fine? You know, provided they can figure out who their quarterback is, uh, you know, because their guy had an okay game, but everything that was, had worried people, uh, he kind of showed signs of, you know, not – you know, being able to react to when things broke down and not to – I call it diarrhea of the football. I mean, it, it is it is messy, and it can get messy real quick. Well, and, I mean, Texas just looked like an SEC team, you know, size-wise. You know, they had receivers all over the place. I kept expecting every other pass to go to A.D. Mitchell – and they'd throw a pass to a big receiver, and I'd be thinking, oh, that's AD, and it'd be somebody else. I mean, there's a reason that Sark and Kiffin put up the best numbers that Alabama's ever had in their history. I mean, those guys are X and O's. I mean, they're saying they're legit. It's kind of laughable. And uh, if I'm Alabama, uh, I think Feinbaum said it. They've got one more powder puff this week, but the following week they've got Kiffin coming. Uh, they've got to figure out who, who's who's their guy at quarterback. No or doubt. I, I got into this a little bit earlier. Th- their schedule of theirs with this team, it could go south on them. No, and, you no. know, south for Alabama is nine and three. Yeah, I mean, that's deep south, baby. <laughs> They're already freaking out. Heads are exploding on Feinbaum. You think the world's ending, you know, got here <laughs> – Saban goes from hero to goat over one loss to a, what turns out to be a top five team, and it's hilarious. Yeah, I mean, it, it's hard not to kind of like it, but <laughs> just because those Alabama fans are something. Now, that's not to say there's not Alabama fans that I like. Cameron nothing James. Nothing better. There's nothing uh, better than fine bomb on a Monday after an Alabama loss. Yes, I, I enjoyed it meant immensely. Uh, but, you know, we, we've we now reached that level that when we lose, we're going to be losing our mind like that too. Uh, it's part of uh, a championship culture where if every play in a game does not go your team's way, you, you're quick to find fault for, you know, the coach, the – the called play, the the personnel, blah blah blah. I mean it. It comes with the territory, I guess. Well, and then of course, immediately the rumors become rampant about retirement. I mean, look into your crystal ball. Don't base it on one game, but in the totality of everything, if you had to say, you know, when he's going out, is he going to be? Bobby Bowden or Joe Paterno and probably stay too long. Well, I guess gotta, that has a lot, guess that has a lot to do with what Kirby and the dogs continue to do. <laughs> yeah. I mean, really? I mean, the, the, their goal this year is to get back and if they happen to play us is to, I mean, the, the, they want to take the, 
the title away from us for sure because we're we're trying to do something that they they couldn't do and that's win three in a row uh yeah but, you know i think as long as nick saban is enjoying coaching and the challenge of it the recruiting classes keep stacking up just like ours uh i did have fun speaking of fine bomb some guy called yesterday talking about how Dion was going to change the face of college football. And he's like, well, with his next recruiting class, he's on the I was like, well, that's 20 something players. Uh, and do we think those top 20 players are all going to go play in the big 12 and not display their talents in the sec? His point being that the Alabamas and the Georgias are a long way away from prime time plucking all the players. I mean, <laughs> That's absurd. Right. right. Well, and it's always good to remember that all of Alabama's goals remain intact after that loss to Texas. Which, and I, I don't know why I'm bringing Feinbaum in this, because I do like to contradict him sometimes when he contradicts himself. He was saying that exact same thing about Alabama and LSU the week going into their, you know, LSU he essentially said FSU and Texas needed to win their games, not to dash their championship hopes. Whereas because of the SEC and the ability to play Georgia and Atlanta, that wasn't the case and is not the case for LSU and Alabama. They roll in there with one conference loss uh, and beat Georgia unless USC – Oregon, Ohio State, Michigan, you know, unless like all unless you just have a slew of one loss teams, are they really gonna shut the SEC championship out of the playoff? The last one at that, the last four game playoff, if they have two losses and they beat the champ, Georgia. Who will uh, at they, that who will at that time have won what, thirty games in a row? Right. Right. Uh, but now those two teams do sure want the dogs to be undefeated in Atlanta. But yeah, they're pulling uh, for us because a one loss Georgia team to a you know, I mean, shoot, anybody we play is going to be a bad loss. Uh, you know, unless it's somebody that just overachieves, like an Ole Miss who could be a dark horse in the West. But if you yeah. had to look into your crystal ball again. Who are you picking to win the West? Boy, at this point, it's kind of interesting because right LSU showed that you know that they've got some stuff to work on. Uh, I mean, it, it's impossible to pick that man. We haven't even played an SEC game. <laughs> I, I, look, I, I didn't say it was going to be easy. I just said to make a prediction. I'm not going to hold you to it. One of my best friends in the world that never gets into this crap was talking about playoffs yesterday. I was like, I don't really start thinking about the playoff until after we get a victory in Jacksonville. Because at, at that point, it's pointless. Because it, if you go into Jacksonville with one loss and you lose, you're done. Uh, so what's the point in worrying about it until till then? And my, I mean, I haven't even looked at booking rooms for 
postseason. I guess I should, I'm, you know, but I'm, I'm sticking to the script, baby. I hear you. Well, that's, uh, that's why I'm still on this old 2014 laptop that forces me to shut down so your fancy program will fire up for me. <laughs> All right. So you mentioned the state of Florida. I got a feeling. I'm with you. That Florida could take down Tennessee. I don't think they're as bad as they looked, and I don't think Tennessee's as good as they've looked, and they hadn't looked all that good. Just like I wanted South Carolina to beat North Carolina, uh, if I'm a smart balls fan, I did I did not want Florida to drop that opener and, and look really just god awful doing it. I mean, they they look bad against Utah. Okay. I agree, but I could go back and change three plays of that game Fair and enough. it's completely different. Yeah. Okay, yeah. The punt, the Hail Mary at the beginning of the game, and the illegal procedure when they were driving. Right. That's probably yeah. a, at least 14-point swing. Yeah. But collectively, they did not look like a very well-coached team. Yeah, I won't argue. I won't argue against that. Which in Napier's second year, that surprised me because, but if you listen to the Gator fans, they're saying he was left with the worst roster since the late 70s. I think I heard someone say today. Well, I mean, he's got the charisma of the brown carpet in the studio. I mean, you, we were watching. <laughs> Me and my wife were watching a, a, a press conference that came on last night, and I was like, "Look, just, just watch this guy and just tell me what you think." And she was like, "This guy has got no juice. He's got nothing. It's, it was so boring." And I know his press conference is going to be different than how he's going to talk to the team, but I mean, just watch him on the sideline, and it's yeah. there's nothing inspiring there. But yet he's won. He's done well. And uh, if you look at Florida State's coach, uh, look where he is when his first couple of years weren't so grand. So it, can the Gators stay patient with him? This game means a lot. I mean, if they drop a old big old deuce as in number two <laughs> in the swamp, a swamp deuce. <laughs> You you can bet, oh Billy, the seat is hot for Billy. I mean, even if they lose, but lose looking good and looking closer to a a a, a sound coach football team, I, you know, I, I think he's, I don't, I think, I think their AD is committed to him. But well, he almost has to be given their recent history of just dumping coaches so fast. I mean, I think Muschamp would have done great if they'd have given him more time. Right. Yeah. Except, you know, it's recruiting South Carolina and recruiting Florida are big differences. True. Huge, huge difference. True. Particularly when Kirby has taken over and gotten Georgia to the, you know, the, you know, now we hear it all the time, the elite level. Uh, you know, that, that, that's probably why South Carolina, uh, had to part ways, but Will did do a good job recruiting. And now we get to see whether Beamer is doing as well job recruiting or 
did his rah-rah mojo do well with mush champs pretty sound players I can't see him duplicating what he did last year. I think he caught lightning in a bottle with those two games with Tennessee and Clemson. I just don't see it. It all comes down to the the Rattlers. (laughs) Well, if we can can have, I don't know, 50% of the sacks that North Carolina had, I like our chances. We just got to make sure the Rattler doesn't have a first half like, oh, what was the guy's name that had the – the uh what was that dude tanny hill yeah the mullet the mullet yeah yeah remember he was he was doing the the hitting it out of the park oh yeah oh yeah i mean the the, the cocks have had some fun at our dispense before well uh, i'd like to remind people that what were we five and five against them just three or four years ago in the previous 10. Yeah. That has a big part of that is Spurrier coming in and torturing us from a whole different team. Do you remember when we lost in 2019 and they did the the pre game interview on the sidelines with Kirby, like right beforehand. And she was asking him, you know, how's the team? And he goes, the team's not good. I don't, I don't know what's going on right now, but, but I don't like it. And then they went out there and laid the egg of all eggs. Right. Yep. I mean, it can happen. It can happen. It can happen, but it's not going to happen this weekend. Okay. I don't, you know, I I think we're going to be in a dogfight going into the second half. I think it could be tight. That I could see. Yeah. Uh, That I could see. But at the end of the day, okay. I think we cover. Yes, it's a big old. Was it like twenty eight now? Yeah, take that back. I was thinking of a couple of years ago when it was twenty. Dogs win, but don't cover. I mean, I'd love to see it. You know, you know, but in a few weeks, I'll be reminding people how many times we've beaten Auburn lately, and they're due. Uh, when we play Georgia Tech, I'll say that I'm eleven and zero going to Atlanta since starting to go there in the early two thousands. So they're due to to win a game in Atlanta at some point. Uh, past that, uh, yeah, on paper, we we should win these games. Well, everybody's everybody's due to beat us after the last couple of years, and that includes UAB. Yeah. Well, <laughs> just don't mess with Dilfer's players. He'll go to he'll go to social media. <laughs> That's right. I don't even know what they're doing over there. Are they any good? Uh, yeah, I think. They, they 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 lost a close one to Southern, I think, this last week, and maybe they won their first one. I, okay. should, I should know that. Uh, they uh, did lose to Southern. They did lose to Southern, and I think it was like less than definitely single digits. I, uh, I forgot Dilfer was over there. Oh yeah, he's got what an experiment. You didn't hear that in the off season when he he. He threatened coaches for put poaching his guys that he'd go to his buddies in the media. And, and I'm, I'm like, oh, okay. No. Kirby's really worried about people in the media not liking him. Yeah. No, I don't – somehow I miss that one. I will say I've been – Kirby's uh, – unlike 
Scrooge Saban, <laughs> who's having to walk back some frustration with the media. I mean, Kirby's very at ease at these press conferences. And, I mean, I came back the other day from, and I, like, there were a couple questions where, and it wasn't really the reporter's fault, but it just wasn't quite clear what they were asking him. Mm-hmm. And he just, you know, point blank said, I'm not sure. Instead of saying, man, this is as stupid as shit. Heck, <laughs> sorry. Sorry, kid. Uh, you know, he didn't, he just said, help me out a little here so I can answer your question. My point being, I, I think there's been a little, there's been growth in how much he lets the media get under his skin. I mean, because at the end of the day, what's it worth? I mean, well, he looks like an old pro up there to the point where if I was in that room, I'd be a little timid about asking a question. Like I would put a lot of thought into it to make sure that right. I didn't get an answer that made me feel stupid. Right. Right. So, and the two that he had to get clarifications that he did not make them feel that way at all. Mm-hmm. Although it did make you want to make sure you, yours was not a third unclear one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. In a row. Yeah. <laughs> well i uh i got a magic ticket so i'm gonna see you this weekend all right it's gonna be fun i'm 3 30 that's been the one nice thing in my opinion about these games is that obviously the september slate is not what anybody wanted but the fact that we've had a night game or semi-night six and then we got it out of the way last week which cleared the deck to to watch the the big one at night, Bama, Texas, which, oh, by the way, that was a hard-hitting football game, man. Oh, yeah. That was, that was awesome. And then I kind of like the 3.30 this week. Uh, you know, night games sometimes are, for me, they're, they're it's too long of a wait. Personally. Well, you got a true night game with UAB. I know. And I'm, I'm on my tailgates crew that weekend, too. So. Uh-oh. And, so that, that I've, I've, I've drawn, a, drawn a short straw for that one, for sure. Because uh, from a BI standpoint, night games are awful because I, I lose basically any time to work after the game outside of staying up real late. Yeah, I'm sure that that's, uh, they're a blessing and a curse. Yes. So you think we're going to cover or not? <sighs> Man. I'm going to say no. Yeah. I mean, I, I know I should go with a hot take here and say, yeah, we cover, but I'm just not feeling it. I mean, hey, we just want it to be 3-0 and on to the next one. I don't care if we win it by one. I just want to win it. Yeah. And, and then get ready for UAB. And then, you know, October, it's much like last year, November is going to be the, the mini gauntlet. Yeah, I mean it's it, the the seasons like this, man. It's working up to a crescendo, and I'm just trying to savor every game, man, because you know how fast it goes by. Uh, the fact that I'm already working on issue six when I was doing issue three like yesterday, right? Uh, it's crazy. Yeah, I mean that's what I'm talking about. It's fun though when you're winning. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> All right, Vance, well, we got to run, but I appreciate you joining us as always. And um, see you this Saturday. Go, dogs. Fear the rattler.
And Bert is back. What's going on? Mad dog. It is good to be back. Who would have thunk? Who would have thunk three years later we'd be talking about a three-peat? I mean, it's still not real. Possibly. I mean, you know, I mean, it, the way Kirby tracks during the year, I mean, he's just looking for constant improvement. And it seems like the last two years, what we've seen over the course of the year is constant improvement. So, um, you know, based upon the first two games, I, had, I hope to see that. So far, the, the season has been delightful. You know, I got to watch Brian Kelly lose and that always makes me happy because I have never liked him as a coach and I've always mm-hmm. thought he was extremely arrogant and you know I think they got way in front of themselves as far as their progress down there then you know what happened with uh the folks to the west of us and the colossal meltdown that their fans are having right now to the point that they're doing all the things that I got into at the beginning of this monologue to make themselves look like what they really are and show their true selves. Yeah. You know, and it's funny a few years ago, like if you think back for the last 10 years, it was Alabama that caused every other fan base to melt down. So you watch after that LSU loss, what does Brian Kelly say in the post game press conference? Yeah. We thought we were two time defending national champion, Georgia Bulldogs. (laughs) it's us now we're the we're the we're the team that's causing everybody else to melt down well and here's the best indicator of that and i talked about this earlier how about the texas fans chanting we want georgia did you see that i mean that had to rub bama so wrong (laughs) walking out of that loss that you know their reality is smacking them square in the face and now they've got to watch this viral video of a team like a competitive team wants somebody else besides Bama. It's not yeah. Bama anymore. Yeah. Yeah. They had already slayed that dragon. They're ready for the next one. <laughs> well, they got to be careful what they wish for. Cause um, you know, we still got some talent on our team. Without a doubt. So I guess we should start. We should start with the favorite stats you've ever showed me, which yeah. is net yards per play. Yep. And yeah, and let's for our new listeners, let's revisit for just a second because this over the past two years since we started talking about it is just a great predictor of who's going to end up in the playoff and who's going to end up in the national championship. And so it's just simply what is your average yards per play on offense minus what is your average yards per play on defense? That gives you your net yards per play. If you're a team over the course of the year that remains above two, you're probably going to be in the playoff. If you're above two and a half, you're going to be national champion. Two years ago, we all, we were almost at three. We were that good. We averaged almost four yards on defense giving up and then seven yards on offense. It was absurd. Last year, we were closer to two and a half, but we were still at the top. Um we were playing a team, and we talked. We talked about this before the national championship. TCU that had one of the lowest net yards per play going into a national championship. I think only Auburn in 2013 had a lower net yards per play going in the championship. And so, going into that game, you and I discussed it. We're like, statistically, this does not look like a good matchup for TCU at all. And <laughs> we saw it play out on the field, but. 
all you got to do is look at that one number and it'll tell you, tell you a whole lot about a team. It's crazy too. And just the, I love the beauty of its simplicity. Offensive, yeah. offensive yards per play minus defensive. That's it. And that's just yeah. it yeah. down to just exactly what's happening each and every play. That's it. How well you drive the ball minus how well you stop them from driving the ball. And, you know, I mean, all those other things come into play a little bit, turnovers and special teams and stuff like that. But over the course of the year, it's the team that can march the ball down the field and stop the other team from marching the ball down the field that's going to be in the playoff. So let's talk about, you know, us, which by us, I mean the SEC and how we're looking. Of course, this is a small statistical sample, but um, already we're at the top. Here we are. Yeah. Yeah. So we've got two teams that are above three right now, and that is Ole Miss, which um, they, I think after game one, whoever they played in game one, I think it was a cupcake, but they – I think they were like five net yards per play then. So we've still got a small sample size. We got a lot of cupcakes in the mix. So, you know, it really doesn't flesh itself out until midseason. But we'll mm-hmm. see the cream rise to the top after a couple a, a couple SEC games. We'll see it. But I Ole can Miss see Ole Miss. I mean, I, I like Ole Miss. I could see – I like the running back Judkins. I mean, if, mm-hmm. if they can play a little better defense. I mean, don't count yeah. Kiffin out. Yeah. No, I know. And it's going to be fascinating. You know, that'll be a real measuring stick for them, uh, I guess, next week against Bama. Um, and then that'll be a fun game in Athens when they come to Athens. Is the Bama Ole Miss game, where is that going to be played? Uh, I do not. I want to say it is in Tuscaloosa. Why does it I, always feel like every big game Alabama always plays, it's it's in Tuscaloosa? Yeah. Crazy. It's funny how they work that out. Yeah. Well, I mean, Kiffin would enjoy winning there more than he probably would at Ole Miss. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, that would – yeah. B- Bama fans would have a total meltdown at that point. You, know, you <laughs> the think second, they The already. second assistant in a row comes in, both of them OCs, and beats yeah. them. Right. You know, uh, Jimbo cracked that can open, and then Kirby ran through it, and then, um, yeah, now everybody's just running through it. Yeah, the seal is busted now, and it's, it's right. if you start seeing it, you know, more and more of them. I mean, gosh, he'll play. He'll play Kiffin. He'll play Jimbo, which I don't think Jimbo is going to beat him. But are there any other assistants on his schedule this year, regular season? I don't think so. I think I that's either. it. But yeah. yeah, and yeah, maybe, maybe they still make it to the to the SEC championship if the West is really weak, and then Kirby can beat him in the SEC championship. So. He could have all of his assistants beating. <laughs> I mean, and Bama is way down this list, just in the bottom yeah, to middle right. of the pack. So at the top, Ole Miss, 3.67, Georgia at 3.43. So those are the only two teams above three. And then uh, we get down to Tennessee at two and a half and Florida at 2.4. All of these are going to come down as these cupcakes kind of fall off and they cycle through a more rigorous SEC schedule. But, um, you know, you kind of got all the teams are kind of middle of the pack, which we can now include Alabama at 1.4. They're way down at, let's say, ninth in the SEC in yards per play. Um, And then the team we play this weekend, South Carolina, they're at 0.72. And that is after a, a... a large uptick against Furman 
um, just to make that number 0.72. So they, they had a horrible time against North Carolina. They cannot run the ball. Um, they averaged 2.9 yards per play, per run against Furman, um, which is a good sign for our defensive line this week. Um, just two teams below them, Vandy and then Texas A&M is fascinatingly in last place in the SEC in net yards per play and the only team that's negative right now. Yeah, Miami just crushed their numbers. Yeah, they did in every way. And, you know, you just got to wonder how much longer Jimbo's got there with that fan base. I mean, they're just – they can't be patient for much longer with that. Yeah, I mean, he's obviously still got that monster buyout, which I think is 70, 75 million, but it's almost irrelevant because of how much they've got bottomless pockets over there. Yeah. And yeah. it would be such a flex for them to go, you know what? We don't care about 75 million. We're done with you. <laughs> Just don't Oh, did you watch that Johnny Manziel documentary? I did. And I, I kept waiting for some sort of contrition or apology and it just never yeah. happened. Right. But one of the fascinating things about it was that year, that freshman year that, you know, he just blew up the amount of money that that school raised that year off of him was just astounding. I want to say it was in the hundreds of millions of dollars that they then use yeah. to renovate the stadium and everything else around there. But they've got the money if they need to get him out of there, I think. I, I have to tip my hat to him and the um, the genius of his plan to, to float the idea out there that his family had oil money and then mm -hmm. go out there and get all this money for signing stuff, take all the cash to his granddad, get his granddad to write a check back to him just like he's got the money from the oil money. It was brilliant. I mean, what a 19-year-old scheme worked up by two guys. Yeah, I know. And I, it sold me like, oh, yeah, he's got oil money. You know, that family's got oil money. You know, I think everybody bought in. Yeah, nobody I – was, I was the same way. And, and nobody checked the story out. And right. I guess kind of yeah. how can you? Are you going to go look at the granddad's personal financial statement, study his tax returns? It's kind of hard to disprove. Um, all right, back the, real quick the, to – Go yeah. ahead. I was going to just say the on your hubris of those two guys, though, you know, the the fact that they were just flying around in jets to autograph sessions. And, you know, I mean, it, they were just completely flaunting the system at that point. Yeah, they they did not care. Um, no. All right. Back to net yards per play real quick. Two that um, jumped out at me that play this week that are real close together, Tennessee and Florida, which mm -hmm. I, I just told Vance, I could see Florida upset in Tennessee. I'm yeah, not sold that he, Florida I, is as bad as they were against Utah, and I'm not sold that Tennessee is as great as everybody thinks. I agree. I, I think Florida, there's going to be a reversion to the mean on the upside for them because, yeah, I don't. there's no way they could be as bad all year as they were against Utah. I mean, that was horrific. And Tennessee, yeah, I mean, you know, last week they struggled – uh, against the cupcake for a while and they've got quarterback issues just like Alabama does. So, um, yeah. And it, you know, Florida is going to be up for this game. It's in swamp. So they're, uh, yeah, I, I would, I'd love to see a, 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 a shootout in that one for sure. Quick sidebar. I think the phrase you just used reversion to the mean mean might be the smartest thing that's ever been stated on this show. 
<laughs> that's the only stat word I know. So that's, Easily, that's it. Like, the most I'll throw it out even when it doesn't, doesn't work. You know? <laughs> yeah, reversion to the mean. I, hopefully, you know, Ole Miss, they're going to revert to the mean too. They're, there's no way they're going to sit at 3.67 net yards per play, and we're not going to sit at 3.43. Um but you know, it if we get in the middle of the year and we're sitting at two and a half or three, then we know we've got a team that's going to be in the playoffs again. Ole Miss may pad those stats a little bit this week against Tech. Now I know Tech's been looking better, but they they may not drop off too much. That what's really going to be where the rubber meets yeah. the road is when Ole Miss plays Alabama, and we see what both of them have. Yeah, and what is bizarre about that, and what'll be interesting is Tech's offensive yards per play right now and i was just looking at this when i was looking at the national numbers um they're at almost eight yards per play on offense so they're doing something right on offense yeah that's bizarre yeah defense is not good what's their overall number their net yards per play i want to say it was like one and a half so it wasn't great but offensively, it was near the top of NCAA. So what number indicates – what's the threshold for a winning record? Like, is it like 1.75 gets you to 6-6, six and six, or have you looked at that deeply? No, I mean, it's zero, really. Okay. So, you know, if you're at zero, then you're, you're right in the middle of the pack. It means, you know, you average about the same amount of yards – on offense as you do on giving up on defense and you're probably going to finish six and six. Mm -hmm. Now, you know, every now and then we'll see a team that's negative finish eight and four and a team that's positive finish four and eight. But, um, you know, overall it's uh, if if you're around zero, then you're going to be middle of the pack six and six over the course of the year. So interpolating off of the numbers we have right now, Alabama's 1.4, I think, equals an eight and four record. Yeah, that's right. That, uh, yeah, they, they've probably, they've got two to three more losses in them if they stick around 1.4 for the year. Wow. Well, I think yeah. their numbers are going to look better after they go down and play USF this week. Uh, they'll probably increase dramatically. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, they got Texas. Texas has a solid offense. Right. They look really good in that game. Right. So um, they're not going to run into a whole lot of Texases over the rest of the schedule. Right. But, you know, they got Tennessee. They got Ole Miss. They got they got LSU. Mm-hmm. Anything can happen in the Iron Bowl. I mean, because by that yeah. point, Auburn, if they keep winning, they're going to be believing. And their yeah. two quarterback system so far terrifies me. Yeah, and uh, – <laughs> Freeze was talking about that, and he was saying that he doesn't like it, and he wants to get away from it. But um, he—I don't know when. Yeah, I promise you, he's not going to get away from it as long as they keep winning. Right. Exactly. Um, yeah. So you know, Bama could have some more losses in them, and you know, if you want to see a complete meltdown of a program, you know, put two more losses on that program this year, and. I mean, they're already on Feinbaum talking about firing safety. I know. So, <laughs> <laughs> the guy they have a statue of out in front of the stadium. Yeah. Yeah, eight and four, <laughs> and their collective heads will split open and melt. I mean, it's going to be nuts. That's, uh, yeah, party is completely over at that point. Yeah, 
for sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, as far as the rest of the SEC, you know, the, we got a lot of mid-pack just like we usually do. Um, the the top of the SEC is really going to be interesting this year. And I think you've probably heard the narrative that SEC's down and, you know, maybe maybe we're the only strong program. Um, you know, who knows who, if we are the only strong program, who knows who else is going to be that one, at least in the West, that's going to rise up and, and take the reins there. But, you know, if, if there was ever a year for Ole Miss to do it, it's it's this year. For sure. There's so much parity over there that, I mean, it's there for the taking. Just like you said, if there's ever a year, this is it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So maybe we'll get to play Ole Miss twice that's a, this year. You took the words right out of my mouth. I mean, that is, that is highly possible. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be fun. Yeah, I would. Yeah. Well, but that—that's it as far as stat as far as stats go right now. You know, I was going to compile some stats, some personal stats for the Mad Dog Show, but I just kind of ran out of time because you know we talked about this last year about you know the the timing of this show and the timing of us seating to the top of college football i mean it it's not just a coincidence I mean, no <laughs> i mean what are we looking at now we're let's see we are 29 and 1 going into the season so we're 31 and 1 since the bad dog show started and i have still not laid eyes on buffalo other than through a computer screen <laughs> that remains intact yeah that's funny you know i mean we're we we have a little get together that we do in the spring to celebrate the national championship and i would love for you to be a part of it but i would hate for you to to jinx this whole thing we can't you know? nothing changes nothing <laughs> changes <laughs> exactly keep it rolling keep it rolling that's right for sure yeah well bert man i appreciate you carving out some time for us i know you're super busy and um yeah. Go dogs. Hey, go dogs. In a couple of weeks, we'll have some um we'll have some good stats. We can really dive into it then. And um oh, one thing that I did want to touch on real quick. Um the the stat, the SEC stats, those come from get the picture. So if you if you're on the dog bone every day, definitely go over to get the picture because that guy's got the best analysis of Georgia football out there. But um Graham Coffee over at Dog Central has a great article, if you subscribe to Dog Central, about Shane Beamer and the fact that there was no love loss between Kirby Smart and Shane Beamer. And I didn't really know that until um, last year. He kind of wrote about how Beamer had left the program. Kirby wasn't happy with how he was recruiting. Apparently, he's kind of lazy is what – Graham was saying you really need to go over and read the article. Um, but he said that last year's Georgia-South Carolina game, that Kirby, like, he was so dialed in on running up that score. And we wanted uh, – South Carolina heavily recruited Oscar Delt there. You may have remember that during his recruiting cycle. But they really wanted him. Of course, we got him, well, at the end of the game when – the score is way out of reach. I think it's like 49 to seven at that point. We run Oscar down the sideline and Carson Beck throws a bomb to him for a touchdown. Right. Just to rub it in Beamer's face. And I know that that was just a, that that was just a spite him because 
earlier in the game, Beamer had gone for a run a fake punt right. that um, pissed Kirby off, and then we stopped him on fourth down, and Kirby was like all in the field on the field yeah. celebrating. So, like, he wants this game. I mean, don't be surprised Saturday. And I mean, it could be a close game. Anything happens in the South Carolina George game, but don't be surprised if Kirby pulls out all the stops Saturday to make sure that this game is not close. Well, just going into reverse of what you said, I'm changing my pick now that I told Vance we won't cover. Now I'm going to say we will cover. I have mm. not signed up for Graham Coffee, but now I want to. And as far as Blutarski goes and get the picture, or as it's known on Dogbone GTP, I read those religiously mm. because they're so good and they're so funny. That guy's great. He does the SEC power poll each week. He's the guy that uh, you know showed me the net yards per play. Great analysis throughout the season. He does an observation on Monday about the game. Definitely hit it on Monday to read that. And then um, Dog Central is a pay site, so you got to pay. I think it's like ten bucks a month. But Graham Coffee's really dialed in on kind of behind the scenes stuff. Uh huh. Well, I'm gonna have to look him up just for that article. Yeah. Yeah. Do it. All right. Well, good to catch up, and uh, let's uh, let's do it again in a few weeks. Sounds great. Thanks again, Bert. And we have the man of mystery, Buffalo. What's up? Hello, Mad Dog. How are you? Good to be seen. Feeling this evening. I'm feeling like a big old sack of money, like we stole it. That's a good feeling. I'm feeling great too because. We're done with those games. What are, what are restaurants and bars called? A soft opening? <laughs> that was a soft opening. That was a soft opening, man. The, 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 the grand opening is Saturday at 3.30. I love it. Are you going to be there so I can hide from you? I will be there. <laughs> if I hear your voice, I'm going to look at the ground and walk away. Okay, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll do the same. I'll do the same if I hear you ranting on some poor South Carolina fan. I'm usually low key on the way in, man. It's head down and get in the stadium. Okay. Well, I know some some of the some of the opposing fans probably know your face. They might want to take well, you down. Well, there's that, and there's the paparazzi, and it just gets messy. Yeah. I keep a low profile. Yeah. Uh, well, like I said, first SEC game. Uh, you know, we're kind of under the radar right now in the in the national landscape. Uh, we got Dion. Uh, he's kind of still, they did well out in Nebraska. They're always mad at somebody. I figured out every week they got some kind of bone to pick. He's been yeah. coaching D1 for what, two weeks? He's mad at everybody. His son's mad at everybody. That's that's working for him. That's good. Uh, I just want to know, I'd like to uh, know when, when do you think LeBron's going to show up on the sidelines there? Oh, it's going to happen. I mean, I would say he's going to get to bowl eligibility, then LeBron's there. Yeah, yeah, he will. He like LeBron will, will switch hat. You know, Ohio State drops a game, man. I'd say he's on the first thing smoking out to Boulder, man. He'll he'll jump ship on team. Well, I mean, when is he going to be tested? Obviously, he's not going to be tested this week against Colorado State. Who's he having week four? Is it like Oregon? He's got, he's got, Oregon. He's got Oregon and USC coming up. In the next several weeks, I don't know which dates. Uh, it's it's back to back. It's Oregon first, and then USC, and I mean that's going to be the acid test of what he's got. Yeah, well, and, and I mean at this point, I mean the eye test. I, I, if they beat them, I, I'm not going to. Yeah. Be, oh I yeah, mean, no doubt. 
So we got we got him. We got Texas now, who's uh, saying they're back again, and that was a great win on the road for them. But it's one game. Uh, last year, uh, I remember Texas A&M and LSU beating Alabama. Are they back? Texas A&M is not back. LSU may be, but. I don't know if yeah. LSU was ever all the way back. I feel like they kind of lucked in to get into the SEC championship. And, you know, I think – I don't know, man. I don't know that they're that bad. I think that FSU may be that good. FSU looks good, man. And that's the third story that's kind of – I know we're still number one. We're getting the credit in the rankings. But we've been under the radar with our two games. FSU's up there, deservedly so. Uh, you know, they'll probably continue to play well. We'll see if that you know they've only played a couple of games though. It's a long season, and and we we we've we've had those years in the past past where we have had a big win, but over the course of the season we falter somewhere. Uh, you know that's the that's the marathon of this whole thing. Well, I mean, we did it last year. We did it against Missouri. Obviously, we you know we were lackluster against Kentucky. Although that game was like playing in. The ice bowl. Um, we didn't, you know, set the world on fire with Kent State. So, I mean, it just it happens, you know. It's hard, huh? It's very hard to do the whole, you know, to run the gamut, or even if you look, I mean, just to get to the playoffs. Even if you lose, I mean, it's, it's a hard thing to get there. And so we'll see. It's so early for me to anoint any newcomers. I think we're still way above everybody else, and I think we're going to show that on Saturday. Uh, Kirby has has beckoned the fans to to crank it up, and I'm going to be one of those fans. I remember when he did it last year at Tennessee. I was screaming so loud I had a thought I was having a seat or like a seizure or sorry stroke. I had to sit down. I think my daughter got worried. I was like, I'm so lightheaded. I got to take all the plays off. But I'm going to be that same way this week, and we're going to put uh, South Carolina into a false start fiasco, and, and then. <laughs> Uh, that's going to, in turn, have uh, Beamer go into a, uh, the Thorazine shuffle when he freaks out. He's already a lunatic. He's going to go crazy. He's going to need some kind of medicine to calm him down. I want him to have his wackiest post-game conference, <laughs> press conference he's ever had. And he's had some. Due uh, to us. week he's had some. I want this one to be the worst. Well, we're going to need to blow him out. I mean, and we have these last couple of years, so – I mean, th and this team's probably weaker than the last two years. I mean, good grief. They, think, yeah, they, they they allowed nine sacks against North Carolina. I mean, if, if North Carolina can get nine sacks, I got to believe we can get 18. Well, I know North Carolina brought a lot of pressure, did a little bit of gambling, which I'm not sure we're going to do, but we'll, we'll see. Uh, hopefully our guys are just good enough, cranked up enough where we don't have to do that. We'll we'll see all about that. But you need to get the rattler early, which we did last year. We need to get the score on our side early and get him get them all discombobulated. And their coach will be he'll be off going nuts. So it'll it'll permeate through the team and it'll just be a rollover. I think we cover. What we're trying to cover twenty seven and a half. Yes, I, I'm. We're going to cover that spread because we're going to make a statement to the rest of the nation that we are. Head and shoulders above the rest. Well, I when I was talking to Vance, I said no cover. And then Bert brought to my attention the beef that apparently Beamer and Kirby have. Mm -hmm. And so now I'm saying that we will cover. 
I'm going with it. And if we don't and if we struggle, I'll come back here next week and accept my beat down. But well, I, who cares? Who cares about the cover as long as we win? Yeah, we need to win, but I think we need to win convincingly. And I think we're going to win. I think we're all focused. I think the whole – these two games have been leading into this. Uh, I, I almost think those were practices. Now I think everybody's dialed in and we're ready to go make a little statement here on Saturday. And I don't usually come on here spouting that. You know, I picked I – I picked actually against us. One time we were playing Alabama, I was scared we were going to win. So I'm not the biggest. You know, you got some people who are like, we're just going to – I'm not that guy. But this week, I am that guy. And I think I think we're going to take care of business. Well, I mean, we're going to have – supposedly we're going to have McConkey back. We're going to have Edwards back. Every week that goes by that Milton doesn't tweak his hammy, then he's a week closer to being 100%. So I, I got to I gotta agree with you. We're going to have Dejan going. We're going to have, uh, I think – we're going to have uh, – and Bowers get shut down – Pretty early, and you know, if you notice, he's get some catch, two catches, maybe a run, and then he he kind of goes off. I mean, he he'll be full full on this week. Well, he's balled out against South Carolina the last two years. Oh yeah, and you know, Delp's got a little bit of a family history there, so he's going to want to show out. Uh huh. Yeah, it's just all signs to me point to we get that run run blocking going. Uh, I was listening to John Stinchcomb earlier today, and he was kind of saying we've had some mental errors, four or five mental errors that he's noticed. Uh, hopefully we get those cleaned up. Uh, that we, we'll, we'll be able to use our physicality to knock them back. Well, you just hit the nail right on the head with me on the run blocking because, to me, it has been underwhelming. And, you know, obviously for a lot of reasons, a new line trying to get cohesive, younger guys coming in for the first time. And maybe just trying to be, you know, vanilla in our run blocking schemes, trying to not show what we're really going to do. Who knows? But I, I do expect it to get a lot better. I do too. I totally do. And I, I think, you know, I just human nature kind of gets you into somewhat of a lull. And I think this week the adrenaline will be moving in the right direction. Well, I tell you who could probably tell us who's going to win everything, and that might be the, the mystical dogger. The dogger. The dogger. Let's see if we can conjure the dogger. dogger. Hey guys, dogger is with us. What's up? How are you, Mad Dog the Bobber? Good. Hello, good. Good to hear you and not see you once again. Keeping your anonymity intact. You know, when you do what I do, yeah, when you do what I do, you have to kind of stay anonymous and, and be in the background. <laughs> For legal and occupational reasons, you <laughs> do not show his face. That's exactly right. That's it right. This is all in fun. Um, no, happy as I can be to be back on here, Mad Dog. Uh, hope you're doing well. I am. Uh, I love yeah. your disclaimer. This is all in fun. All, all of this gambling talk is all in fun. <laughs> Just for funsies. It is. It is. It is. Uh, so, yeah, nobody listened to what I'm talking about. I had fun over the years. So um, tell us who's going to win and who's going to cover. Yeah, just real quick. Uh, so what I'm going to do this year, I'm just going to I'm going to focus only on the SEC. So what I'll typically do each week, three SEC games straight up, do a five team parlay cracker or a five team um, teaser, which where you can move to points. And then uh, we'll decide on a kind of a random game, maybe where the College game day ESPN is, and uh, and pick that game. So, 
gonna pick it damp. Uh, limited a little bit. Last year, the best I did on the ten team cracker was nine and one, so came close. And then, uh, just from a covering standpoint, so far the dogs, uh, they did not cover in week one, but they did push in week two, and both the games have gone under. So, uh, again, I'm not gonna ever pick the, the dogs line, game line during the year. I just don't want to jinx them. So, but I will throw out some totals. Um, there are a couple of good games this weekend. You have Tennessee versus Florida. So the three straight up SEC games I'm going to do, I like Tennessee minus six and a half against Florida. I think Tennessee's playing really well and Florida is obviously not. Uh, Tennessee is going to gear up to when we face them, uh, which I hope we're both undefeated and that should be a great game. So I do like Tennessee to beat up on Florida. Okay, hold on. I'm going to, I'm going to respectfully disagree. Very good. You're, you're always welcome to. All right, continue. Uh, and that's uh, that's seven o'clock on ESPN. And then you have Ole Miss against uh, Georgia Tech. Uh, I was at lunch today with a Georgia Tech alum, and we were talking about it actually just prior to lunch. And uh, he doesn't think Tech can even come close to competing in that game. Ole Miss obviously pulled it out against. They looked really good in the second half against Tulane. Uh, and then as far as the total in Georgia, South Carolina, like I mentioned, both the games have gone under so far. And I do think that uh, we'll score a defensive touchdown, maybe even special teams again with our walk-on. Uh, and, I, and I think South Carolina is going to maybe put up 10 points against us. So I do like over 54 in that game. Okay. I agree with that. Agree yeah. Because I think we're going to have a big number on yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that. I, just, I don't know if we can hold them to zero, so I would like a big number on us, maybe a, maybe like a 52 to 10 type deal. Um, and then the parlay cracker, so on, it's a five-teamer. Um, I'm not sure the exact odds. It depends on who you're playing, but let's just call it about 500 to one if you hit all of them. Um, no, excuse me, probably 50 to one. Uh, LSU, I'm taking minus 10 at Mississippi State. I think that one's going to be close early, and then LSU pulls away late. They look so good uh, against uh, the la their last game. So Alabama. Hold on, hold on, hold on. LSU played. LSU played Grambling. No, the game before their first game. FSU. LSU. That was yeah. They got beat up by. That's right. I'm sorry. They got beat up by FSU. I like Mississippi State for the upset. Everybody likes that too. That's right. Uh, I talked to a couple guys today. They like uh, they like Miss State because they're at home. But I'll go. I'm going to go LSU. I think it's they a, they it's rebound. Still good, it's still a good bet. Yeah, I like that. I was uh, I was confused on that one. My bad. Um, Alabama minus 32 against South Florida. They come out after. Well, the fans are going to be packed in for that one. They're uh, yeah, Alabama minus 32 after the uh, the beatdown they took to Texas. That uh, I don't know if Saban hopefully will get them going. Uh, the total in the Tennessee Florida game is 59. It's another one I like to go over. I just think Tennessee's just gonna route them. I'm sure, you like to hear that, Bobber. Uh, and then <laughs> um, Arkansas minus eight against BYU. I'm gonna actually go BYU plus the eight. BYU plus eight. Okay. I don't really know yeah. what Arkansas has. They, uh, I, mean, I think the projected wise to be pretty good, but it's, uh, I haven't really seen too much so far. And BYU, 
is they're hanging in there. They're, I think they have a pretty decent team. So I, I like that one. Uh, and then the total in the Ole Miss Georgia Tech, another one I think will go over. I just think uh, Kiffin will run that thing up as much as he can. Just yeah. To try to prove a point. So that's yeah. 60, that's 63 and a half. Okay. And then uh, for the late night, anybody wants to stay up late and watch Dion run around the field. And by the way, I heard y'all talking about uh, their schedule. So they do have next week, Oregon, and then the following week, USC. So it is back to back coming up uh, after Colorado state. So I like, uh, I like Colorado and this one I'm going to tease. So you get six points on both sides. Colorado minus, uh, they're minus 23 and a half. You get six points minus 17 and a half. And then the total is 60. So you go over 54. Okay. And that is, uh, that's it. Craig, you got to promise I mean, the daughter. You got to promise. <laughs> you got to promise uh, uh, that you'll do the wheel. We need to bring the wheel back. Oh, the uh, wheel. Back. I forgot about the wheel. I mean, the wheel on Halloween, uh, Mad Dog just needs to give me a little extra time because that takes a little time. The wheel, I hit that uh, two times last year. And that's that's very profitable for your listeners to listen to the wheel. And if it hits, that's when you basically do straight up three. You have pick three games straight up and then you uh, parlay cracker all three of them. And then you tease all three of them. And if yeah. you hit all three, it's it's a it's a big winner. So just give me a little extra time. My dog on Halloween. I think that's when Harry Carey will make a make a reappearance. Um, and we'll uh, we'll throw a wheel out then. And any other time you want me to do it, I'm happy to. In, a, in, in addition to the spinoff podcast, uh, Buffalo, there needs to be a spinoff dogger uh, regarding gambling and just understanding all the gambling, all the nuances about t- crackers, <laughs> wheels, and, you know, all, all these. It's like marathon work. But, you know, the general public doesn't know, and I have to relearn every year. <laughs> I'm going to throw out money lines, I think, too. There was, uh, I think I texted you, Mad Dog, a buddy of ours over in Charleston. His nephew hit a 10-team parlay, and he took, but he took a lot of money lines. So the high-end money lines, let's say Georgia's, I don't know what their money line is over South Carolina. I'm just guessing maybe minus 300. Mm -hmm. So he took a lot of those games in week one. He he bet $10, and he won um, $750. But he, but a lot of those were the lower. He didn't take any under. He did take Colorado that week um, in their first game. So that was his only kind of uh, long shot pick. The rest were big money lines. Need to schedule a lunch with you, or we just go over the most exotic crackers out there. <laughs> I would the love biggest, to throw them out there. That it's biggest payday. Like I bet ten bucks to win ten thousand to one odds. I promise you I can come up with it. The odds aren't aren't good, but we can come up with something. Some of them hit. They got to hit. <laughs> it's like doing DraftKings. You got you bet $5 can win a million on NFL, so you never know. Have the odds This is an unfair question cuz I didn't warn you, but have the odds changed much as far as uh potentially who's going to win the Natty? I mean, I think Georgia's plays uh, stayed pretty consistent. They, okay. I did see that, uh, but but yeah, obviously Alabama losing, uh, Texas winning. That they those those odds 
uh, did did change a good bit. Yeah, uh, Florida, yeah, Florida State. Florida, I know y'all mentioned Florida State earlier, and I agree with that they're they're looking darn strong. So uh, they're up there. I'm, I'm not sure exactly what their odds are uh, to win the Natty, but Michigan stayed pretty consistent. Ohio State stayed pretty consistent, even with their struggles against Indiana. Um, so yeah, but uh, our, um, Florida State has has definitely jumped up there. I would say I don't know. Maybe they started, and I'm guessing this. They probably started at 40 to one, 50 to one. They're probably down to 15, 20 to one. Well, what drives me crazy about that is uh, Ohio State and Michigan play a two-game schedule every year, and nobody talks about it. And they want to talk about, oh, we've got a weak schedule this year. Yeah, we got a weak schedule, but it's kind of like Ohio State and Michigan schedule every single year, but nobody ever talks about it. Right. Yep. That's, uh, I guess that's what we get for winning two national championships. Yeah, yeah. Well, you, great point. I'd rather be where we are and people complain about our schedule than having the most ridiculously tough schedule in the country <laughs> and going eight and four like Alabama's about to. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I love saying that. <laughs> What's the opinion on Auburn out there? Man, I, the jury's still out, but I could see them gaining momentum. And if they beat – who do they have the week before us? Is it A&M? I don't know. I think it's A&M. I mean, they're, they're on a path that they could very easily show up to that game undefeated, ranked in the top 20, and you know how that place gets on a big game. I mean, it goes cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs over there. and They do. It, it's a tough place to play. That it is. Yeah, it's going to be – that'll be interesting. And we, we definitely hit some uh, a rough stretch there as far as toughness. We just need to, need to keep our groove going and keep building on what we have. I, the first two games for us, I think we're builders, just building blocks. Auburn so being healthy. Auburn, yeah. Auburn, Auburn's offense had a little trouble out on the West Coast last week, Dave. They sure did. I watched that game. Yeah. I watched the half of it. I'm impressed. Well, they went 14-10. Yeah. Yep. That was a road game on the other end of the earth. But. <laughs> you like Cal. I, I thought you liked Cal, Buffalo. Uh, no, Aaron Rodgers went to Cal. I've turned on him. <laughs> <laughs> so, did, did Auburn continue with their two-quarterback system out uh, there? They, they were running some, and I can't say to how much. That was a late game. I, I'm not sure exactly – how much they were running him in and out, but uh, yeah, I think they uh, they did that. I read that they did. I was I was asleep for that one. Yeah, I watched like one quarter. <laughs> well, guys, we're about to get uh, kicked out of the studio by our producer, so we're gonna have to run. But right. uh, I Tell, appreciate uh, being here. We're gonna follow back up on all of Dogger's calls to see how he turned out. And please do. I need to be held to my uh, to my prognostication. There, there will be accountability this year, Dogger. No worries. Yeah, we're, we're, hey, we're like Dion, Dogger. We keep receipts. <laughs> yeah, keeping receipts. Better it. never rest. You better be eating off the floor. I got you. I, I will <laughs> if I need to. All right, guys. Thank you, man, Dog. Go dogs. Go dogs. Go dogs. Thank you to our guests, as always. Thank you to our sponsors. 
And I understand that some friends are going to be getting together in Wilmington for uh, Z's Wild Weekend, sometimes Z's Weird Weekend. They're expecting 10,000 people. Make sure you're safe over there. And go dogs. The Mad Dog Show is proudly sponsored by The Sanford Company, Bulldog Illustrated, Dogbone.net, Classic City Collective, The Park Group, Marketing and Media, Ventures Barbecue, Sellers Construction, Bib Distributing, Pelicano Construction, Go Clean Co., Jay Lee, Attorney at Law, Ortho, Georgia, Progressive Communications, Cherokee Brick, Macon Monograph, Jags Pizzeria, ASP, Butler Auto Group, Willingham Sash and Door, Cranford Chiropractic, and Wapa Oil Company.